One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. I want to talk to you tonight about um, warring with your prophecies. Yes. All right? Paul told Timothy, by your prophecies, wage war. Right? Number one, we've been talking a lot about the revelation that you're in a war. Right? If you don't have the revelation that you're in a war, um, you'll end up um, passively approaching your Christianity. And passivity is not the way Jesus approached it. Right? Jesus, Jesus actually approached um, Christianity in a way of dominion. He, he approached Christianity in a way of every, every city that he went into, he dominated. Right? He went there with an intent. One day he's walking into the woman at the well. She, she, he reads her mail. Um, she ends up running into the city. The whole city comes to meet Jesus. Right? Crosses the, the lake, goes to the demoniac cast the demon out of the demoniac, um, right? The supernatural happens. What runs into this city and people were healed, delivered, demons are cast out, right? Jesus went um, with a swagger. He went in with a dominion. He went in with an absolute authority to release heaven on earth, right? And so releasing heaven on earth ultimately is the goal. we got to know what the Lord is saying, right? We have to, right? Jesus actually told us to pray that way. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven, right? To pray to your Father um, with the intent of getting His will, get, understanding His vision, and then releasing His vision on the earth, right? So if you're in His will, if you're walking um, in the place with the right people, with the right message, with the right intent, you are releasing His dominion authority over the place that you're walking, okay? And so Paul actually teaches Timothy a very important aspect about prophecy. Because prophecy, words of knowledge... Has everybody in here ever received words of knowledge and prophecy? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so do you wage warfare by your prophecies yes. is the question. Absolutely. Okay? Because the prophecy is actually the ability. It's not, it's not only... It's, it's, it's a picture of your future, but it contains all authority, all ability... All the grace you need, everything is contained inside of what the Lord is releasing into your life. Right. right? And so learning to wage warfare by it is a very important thing. And so we're gonna we're gonna start practicing warfare tonight Amen. through your prophecies. Yeah. Okay? And so I wanna read a I wanna read a, a parable to you that Jesus mm-hmm. talked about, um, the parable of the talents. You guys familiar with the parable mm-hmm. of the talents? Mm-hmm. No? Well, I'm gonna read it to you here real quick. I'm gonna paraphrase it to you. All right, Um, this is Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, to another one talent, each one according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Okay, so Jesus is the one handing out talents, right? Every one of you have have a talent. 
It's a lie if you think you don't have a talent. And I'm not talking like, oh, I like to bake, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bake cookies. I'm talking about Jesus giving you a supernatural ability to do something that is beyond your own ability. It requires His presence for you to accomplish it. Okay? So Jesus hands these talents out to these three guys, right? And so the one that was handed five talents comes back, says, hey, I multiplied it, I doubled it. And so those, those five talents become... 10, right? He, he, increased, um, he increased what was, he utilized everything that was given to him in a relationship, relying on the talent, okay? And it multiplied, right? He comes back and Jesus says, well, good, faithful, well done. You did awesome, right? And Jesus actually says, because you were faithful with what I gave you, Right? I will give you more. You are going to rule, right? You are going to um, have further dominion, further ability based on you being um, faithful to what he gave you, right? The same thing with the guy with two talents. He comes back, he doubles them, right? And, and then Jesus says the same thing to him give him more. He was faithful with what was given to him. Give, give him more, right? He utilized it fully. It doubled. It increased, right? But then he gets down to the one that uh, he was that, that was given a talent. He didn't think it was he didn't think it was valuable. He didn't think it was worthy of using. And he it says this. He says, then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you uh, you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. It was Jesus' talent, right? Jesus gave this talent to him. He hides it in the ground. He does not use it. Okay, look, there you have what is yours. Meaning he, he buried it. He didn't use it. He gave back to Jesus the very thing that was given to him. And Jesus... Jesus um, you know, he basically says, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So ought, uh, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and in, at my coming, I would have received back my own interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has now 10 talents. So it's very important that you understand, number one, you have to, you have to seek in a way that you understand what Jesus has given you, right? And it's not a complicated thing. It's the relational dynamic of hearing His voice, right? Jesus is never going to not give you what, he's, what He promised you. He's actually going to, in the promise of pouring out His Spirit, it said you will dream dreams, have visions, and there will be this relational revelation that you are given talent, right? Now, if you sat in a church all your life, and you were never trained to seek the Lord in spiritual prayer and hear what the Lord is saying to you personally, and instead just sitting there being a good Sunday morning Christian, never really hearing what He has personally told you, then we probably have a problem. But we're not going to address that <laughs> for the moment, right? Because uh, here's the deal. The talent, um, the talent that Jesus gives you is the most powerful force related to you and him because it's personal he he chose you for a specific talent okay there's nobody in here that he has not given a talent to the most the, the most um 
the most painful part of, of ministry for me is seeing people that sat in churches 30, 40 plus years old and they never found their talent because they were never taught how to connect spiritually with the Holy Spirit and hear the voice of God for themselves. Okay? I've been in a lot of churches. I, had a, I, I preached in a uh, Methodist... Uh, I, I was actually just going to testify of my missions in India and all the miracles and things that were happening in India. And the pastor gave me 10 minutes. He said, I want to give you an offering. I want to sow into your ministry. And so I stood, I stood up in front of the, the church and I said, um, God came to me in a dream and He told me to go to India. And as a result of that dream... 100,000 people now pray in the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I started saying all this stuff, all connected to one dream where the Lord spoke to me, and I obeyed it, believed it, went to war with it, and the rest is history, right? Um, and a, and a, a Methodist woman, 80 years old, in the back of the church, she stood up and she goes, you mean you hear God? What do you mean you hear God? We, in the middle of a church... I'm just supposed to be talking 10 minutes about, about a mission, right? About my next mission to India. And so she's, she's back there. She goes, what do you mean you hear God? We were never taught we were supposed to hear God. We were taught just to read. And I'm sitting there. I'm looking like, what's going on here? And the, pa the, pastor, the pastor's like, keep going, man. Keep going. Keep going. Wow. Well, in 20 minutes, half the church is standing at the altar getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, um, hearing the voice of God for the first time in their life. Okay? And it all begins with a question um, about what are, what are you living, right? Are you, are you living based on what you think uh, your Scripture is defining you to be or to do? Or are you um, living seeking what the Lord is saying because everything He says to you is a, an additional talent in your life. Your prayer life reveals your talent. You can't, you can't find your talent any other way. Okay? Your prayer life, through, and, and, and not only your prayer life through dreams and visions, but um, prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit releasing the vision of the Lord into your life awakens the fullness of your talent. Okay? So the fullness of your talent um, comes down to this relational dynamic, um, number one, that Jesus is the only one that can reveal it. The talent is his, it's his talent. And it requires such a deep relationship that you can't accomplish it on his own, on your own, that you actually realize you're in a war with your enemy, right? We talked a lot last night about um, a lot of, a lot of Christians don't believe that, that, uh, the spirit world is that real and that, that, as long as you don't mess with demons, demons aren't going to mess with you. Well, that's the biggest lie there is because whether you believe it or not, your enemy works feverishly to keep you deaf, dumb, and blind spiritually and to actually not pick up your talent. Okay? So if you simplify your life into seeking the Lord's voice, which is the place where your talent is revealed, right? I had no idea seven years ago that the Lord was going to call me to India. Ever. Never in my wildest dreams. In fact, whenever um, I thought of India, I thought of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and eating monkey brains. And I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to the Far East. There's absolutely no way. Okay? 
But the Lord came to me in those dreams and said, you're going to India. Um, and I get this call from, from a man from India. I didn't know anybody from India. I didn't know how I was going to get there. All I had was the Lord saying, you're going to India. And I got up and I started to tell Shelly, um, the Lord says, I'm going to India. I'm going to India, baby. You actually right? packed your bag. You packed yeah, yeah, I actually packed. He told me to pack my bag. I had a suitcase <laughs> packed. Several weeks. Yeah. And, <laughs> and anyway... Awesome. Yeah. I believed it. So I good. acted on it, yeah, right? So uh, there, there's a theme through this. I want to I want to encourage you around acting around your prophecies, speaking and aligning your heart to the prophecies spoken to you, because prophecy contains all ability. It contains your talent. It will wage war against your enemies. It will wage war against insignificance. Um, all all depression, all fear, <coughs> all anxiety that comes against you. The ability to overcome it is in the talent Jesus gives to you. And I want to encourage you that you don't just receive a prophecy, a dream, or a vision, but you actually invest it, right? You actually align your heart and begin to declare, the Lord says, I'm a missionary to India. I'm going to baptize thousands of people in the Holy Spirit. I don't know how this is going to happen, but the Lord says, I'm going to do it. And I start speaking what the Lord has spoken to me. And I become his voice on earth, right? And you may say, well, why is that so important? Well, you all know how Genesis chapter 1 starts, right? Right? We have this God who actually wasn't afraid of the darkness. Uh, this God who actually hunted the darkness. He actually spoke into the darkness, right? And it says that the darkness could not stop the light. The light overpowered the darkness. So when Jesus is speaking to you in dreams and visions and prophecy, his voice, right? When his voice is imparting to you, what's happening? He's speaking into something that does not exist, calling it according to his view, and he's reforming the world. Mm -hmm. He's actually reforming your world personally, right? Every one of you, you're, you, you, you're birthed, you grow up in the natural, but until you hear him personally, Right? It's, it's the personal voice that reforms you. Right? There's a lot of testimonies in here that two months ago, you, you, you never heard the voice of God. Two months ago, you didn't you know, know anything about the presence of the Lord, that He had a plan for your life, that there was a purpose. Right? But now, prophecy speaks into your life and says, I don't care what the enemy said you're not, the Lord says this is what you are. Right? And that's the power of the voice of God. That's what prophecy is. Okay? That's why Paul begged the church in 1 Corinthians 14. Right? He says, uh, I wish you all prayed in tongues, even more that you prophesy. Why? Because prophecy is the presence of God speaking. Amen. Right? Right? You can, get a, you can get a spiritually dead Pharisee that Jesus called a bunch of dead man bones. Right? Uh, uh, he, he called them hogs, dogs whitewashed tombs, they actually got up and read scripture and Jesus said, you don't even know me. That should scare the living daylights out of you. Right? It should scare the living, it scared the living daylights out of me when I had the revelation. That's when I started to pray like a wild man and started to, uh, literally on my hands and knees seeking the, the, the Lord to speak more and more in my life. But my point with this is once he does speak through dreams, visions, and prophecy, He's imparting talent into your life. He's, a, he's imparting ability to overcome 
what doesn't exist. Yeah. Right? And and the, the, the scripture, um, the scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says uh, faith is a substance, right, of things unseen, right? It doesn't, it doesn't exist in the natural, but faith has, has the ability to form the world, to reform the world, right? Verse, verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 11 says this is how the world's, this is how the world was formed, right? Something that doesn't exist naturally, but faith spoke into it. Where does faith come from? Can you, can you generate faith on your own? No. It's actually impossible for a person to generate faith on their own. Uh, Romans eight or yeah, I'm sorry. Romans uh, ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word, the rhema. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean you just simply pick up a Bible and start reading scripture, and suddenly you have faith. There's a lot of people that read the Bible that don't have faith. But a person that wakes up with a dream, I'm going. This is what he says I'm doing. That's that's faith. Okay, right. So do you center your, is that how you center your life? Do you center your, your life around hearing? That's good. Because it, you, 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 can, you can act faithful all you want, but faith is a product of an impartation. Right? Faith, faith is literally you and the Lord in relationship, and he, he comes and speaks into your life. Right? So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the, the rhema. That's the word rhema, right? The, the dream, the vision, the prophecy. Right? And actually, it's the same word used in, in Hebrews 11 where it says, uh, faith is a substance of, of things unseen. Right? And v- verse 3 actually says that the world was formed by the rhema of God. The world, your world, is formed by the voice of God. Right? The church is formed by the word of God. I don't care, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care if you build it nice. I don't care if you got this nice little organization of leadership. If the Lord's not speaking and he's not on it, right? And there's no power in it. You get the picture? The the, the aspect of doing the impossible is evidence of the presence of God in relationship with the individual or the group of people. Amen? Right? I'm one guy. I went to India. I, 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 I baptized over 100,000 people in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I baptized over 6,000 pastors in the Holy Ghost. One guy. One. Right? I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have a church funneling money into my, into my you know, every mission that cost me $10,000, $15,000. I didn't, I didn't have any of that. But somehow the Lord yeah. supplied his vision. The Lord actually gave the ability to do something that was way beyond my own ability. Okay? That's pretty freaky, right? That's, that's like, is that really real? And I, I didn't do it. I can't do that. Okay? And, and so I want to emphasize the concept of once the Lord speaks to you, you have got to begin to embrace it with all of your heart. Right? Because Satan, if you, if you understand the parable of the sower... The parable of the sower comes to steal the seed. The seed is the voice. What he spoke to you. If you don't care about it, you receive a prophecy and you don't care about it and it sits on that shelf for the next five, ten years. Guess what? It was stolen from you. Because prophecy can be stolen from you unless you wrap your heart around it and hold on to it. Right? The intent is I'm giving you a talent. 
Will you become one with me and together you and I will shape the world? Amen? Amen. And so, the, con the concept of waging war, Paul, um, Paul told Timothy, by your prophecies, wage war. Right? And we, talk we talked last night about the concept that there is a demonic world that's soul intent. It's not worried about a person sitting in church for 30 years. Doing nothing but sitting in a, in a pew. What the enemy is afraid of is somebody becoming supernatural because they embrace what the Lord has told them and instructed them to do. Okay? Amen? Because the, po the point is, um, if it's possible, it's not, it, it's not God. Yeah. I don't care how religious and righteous you, you look. I don't care how good you think you are. Um, at the end of the day, it comes down to, uh, did you hear Him? Did you believe Him? Did you hold on to it with all your heart? When, you're, when the enemy comes to steal the seed, because if, if you understand the parable of the sower, Jesus actually said this in Mark chapter 4. If you understand this parable, you will understand the kingdom. Yep. If you don't understand this parable, you missed it. And the point of the parable of the sower is this, right? The seed falls on four types of hearts. It falls on a stony heart. It falls on a heart that has a little bit of soil that when the, when the, when the, the seed begins to sprout, Suddenly the sun scorches it, the seed dies, it's the same as the stony ground. The third type of heart is the heart that where the seed, it, the, the, the roots go down, it, the, the sprout comes up and it begins to produce fruit, but the weeds around it choke it out. It ultimately dies, right? The only, the only heart that reproduces is the heart that holds on to the seed that literally re has the revelation that you need to cleanse the heart, right? The weeds are symbolic of demonic powers, right? They come to choke out the seed. The only thing that can reproduce. They're not worried about a whole bunch of religious uh, propaganda stuff, right? The, the, what, what, the, what the weeds are concerned about is everything possible to choke out that seed. The rhema voice of God. And so if you understand that concept, Jesus said you understand the kingdom. Right? The kingdom is about the one thing that can reproduce, and that's his voice. You can't, you can't memorize enough to compensate for the one thing that has the ability to reproduce. Until he speaks into your heart, and you have a seed that will, that will produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold, guess what? That's, that's, that's called self-righteousness. Right? And so the seed, the relational dynamic with the seed is the evidence of the presence of Jesus and, your, and a heart that does everything to hold on to that seed no matter what. That's called waging war. Paul, when Paul said, by your prophecies wage war, Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy as a young man, as a young boy, right? As a teenager, you receive these prophecies that you were going to be an apostle in this region and that there were going to be churches that you would plant and the supernatural would birth through you. There would be demons cast out and healings and all these supernatural things. And Paul is saying, by your prophecies, Timothy, I don't care how young you are. I don't care what those people that say you don't do this or don't do that. It's by your prophecies. By your prophecies wage war. And what Paul, what Paul was meaning by that is you have to believe and hold on to it until the Lord births it, right? He, it doesn't exist. He speaks it. It doesn't exist. 
And you're sitting there going, oh, I don't know how this is going to happen. But he's giving you an opportunity to embrace his talent. His talent then actually is launched into the darkness and it drives out the darkness. What doesn't exist, it becomes because the Lord spoke it. The Lord said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. You are going to do this. You are my daughter. You are going to do this. This is how I see you. I don't care if you can't prophesy now. By this time in, in November, you're going to prophesy. Right? Amen? I mean, that's the point, right? What didn't exist, once he speaks, now becomes supernaturally present. God himself present. And nobody else can take credit for it. Amen? Amen? Are you with me, church? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'll just tell you a few stories. Um, because I think it's important that you wrap your mind around how important this is. Uh, when I went in... Um, in 2012, I was, uh, I was basically um, the guy who ran uh, prophetic equipping classes at our church. It was about an 800 to 1,000 member church. I did the deliverance ministry. I led, I led deliverance ministry. And I, was, I was as happy as a lark, man. If I had done that the rest of my life, I'd have been happy. Okay? And all of a sudden, I started getting these prophecies. And one of these prophecies... One of these prophecies, um, this guy wrote out this long paper. Um, his name's Greg. And, and he kept saying, you're going to be a pastor to pastors. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't wrap my mind around that, right? Because I see myself as just this guy doing spiritual work inside this church. And so he writes out this long thing. And he says, you're going to be a pastor to pastors, Okay. Few weeks later, go by, and uh, this prophet was at our church, and he calls me out, um, and he starts asking me this question, and uh, he has me in front of the church. Okay, it's a it's a pretty big church, like 800 people in this in this sanctuary, and he starts asking me this question. And he says, um, "How many people are you going to get baptized in, in the Holy Spirit in your lifetime?" And I said, "I don't know, a hundred. I mean, I just I'm like I'm guessing in the wind, right?" <laughs> I'm like, 100. And he goes, he goes, no way. That's too low. And he smacks me on the back, right? He's like, bam, he's hitting me. And, and uh, he says, you got to think the way the Lord thinks. You're going to overtake things. You're going to dominate things, right? He smacks me on the back. He says, how many are you going to baptize the Holy Spirit? And I said, a uh, thousand. And, 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 and I start to feel the presence of the Lord because my heart begins to align with what the Lord's intent on my life was. Um, he was like a tricky prophet, right? He, I mean, he's standing there and he hits me in the back again. He goes, that's too low. You've got to think like Jesus. How many people in your lifetime are you going to get baptized in the Holy, Holy Ghost? And I'm like, 5,000. I don't know, 5,000. And I'm crying. I'm shaking. And he goes, that's too low. And this process goes back and forth to, to the point where I finally said, 100,000. And, and he, he goes, that's too low. And he's hitting me. And I mean, the presence of God is on me. I'm shaking. I'm, I'm, I'm on the ground at this point. And I say, 500,000. And by this time, I can't. I can't talk anymore because I'm shaking and weeping in the presence of God because my heart was thinking way too low compared to what his vision for my life was. Okay? And so I'm telling you that because there was a two-year period after those prophecies came to me 
where the Lord literally separated me from the, from the church. He separated me from my friends. And he started to ask me questions about whether or not I believed what his purpose was in my life. And all this, all this revelation about Timothy waging war according to the prophecies, the Lord just started inundating me about will you speak, will you call into existence what I believe for your life. And so for the next two years, you know what I started to say? In my prayer time, you know, I've taught you a lot about the gift of tongues and what the gift of tongues is for. But waging warfare according to your prophecies is a major part of your prayer life, okay? And so for the next two years, literally, I am a pastor to pastors. I don't know how this is going to work, but the Lord says I am a pastor to pastors. I am going to um, see over 500,000 people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, I, and I would prophesy, and as I would prophesy... I, I can't even tell you everything that would come out of my mouth because the presence of the Lord, I started aligning my heart with what the Lord says is possible instead of my inabilities and my limitations, okay? And um, it, it was uh, in 2015 when the, pro the season of warfare started to sprout up and produce fruit because that's when the Lord came to me in a dream a series of dreams, and he said, a man from India will call you, uh, go, right, um, seven days after the Lord said that to me in a dream, um, David, I am from Kakanada, India, and you are supposed to come, right, and I'm like, there's no way, how do you do that, I didn't know anybody from India, right, how do you do that, no way, and so, I mean, the rest is history. For, for From 2015 until about, well, 2020 was the last time I was in India, um, over 6,000 pastors were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Men who never prayed in tongues, men who never prophesied, somehow the Lord would bring these people to me in droves in India, and pastors weeping, crying, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? It started with His vision right? Finding his vision. And so, you know, there's such an emphasis point around that. People say, well, I've never seen prophecy. Well, I've never seen words of knowledge. I've never seen casting out devils. Why isn't it normal? And I have to ask the question, I said, are you following leaders who are replicating what scripture says it's supposed to look like? Or are you following leaders who have a dream from God that's impossible to do without him? Because if, if your leaders are following a dream from God, guess what? Right? Super, it, it's, it's not like it's if it's going to happen. It's actually when. Okay? And so, I mean, that's a pretty big thing. If, you, if your leaders aren't leading you to search out the Lord and do whatever He tells you, how, how are you being taught? Right? Because all the other stuff is... At the end of the day, Jesus is going to ask you, number one, did you find my? Did you find your talent? And those that found their talent, did you use your talent? Did you invest it? Did you go where I to told you to go? Did you do what I told you to do? Because He's got these books. He's got these. He's got this library in heaven, right? The the scripture in, in Hebrews eleven. I'm sorry. He, yeah, Hebrews eleven. Um, no, I think it's Hebrews twelve. Sorry. I think uh, Jesus actually no. Hebrews 10, sorry. Hebrews 10, it says that, uh, it says, Behold the volume of the books that are written of me in heaven. Wow. 
Jesus actually, it says Jesus formed the world, right? The books were actually written before the earth, okay? So Jesus has a destiny. Those books aren't just about Jesus. If you are in Christ, you have a book. I've seen them, okay? I'm telling you, you have a book. Some of you have three books. Some of you were given more talents because the people that didn't use their talent that you were faithful with, you got more talents. Instead of you only having three books, you have a volume. Are you with me, church? Amen? So have you found your talent? Come on, this is real. You got to find your talent, which means you learn how to pray and hear him which means you value the voice above anything else because as Jesus says in Mark 4, if you understand the parable of the sower, you understand the kingdom. If you don't understand it, you're wasting your time. If you're centering your voice or centering your life around his seed, his planted seed for your life, the supernatural will follow you everywhere you go because he's the one directing your your destiny. Amen? Amen. Are you with me, church? And you may say, well, like, okay, you went there. How does this happen? All I can tell you is when I, when I would go to India, literally, I swear, um, I, 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 I'm just like, it's, it's like as soon as my feet touched the ground in India, this cloak, yeah. this presence would come on me. Yeah. I could preach 15 hours a day. I literally prophesied from the time I got up. They took me church to church, the pastor's meeting, to two, 3,000, um, you know, crusade at, at the night. I'd crawl into bed at 1 a.m. I'd get up at 7 or 8 and do the same thing for 10 days, 14 days, 21 days. Because I couldn't do it. It was his presence. It was his prophecy. So prophecy is not just some word some guy says and that's it. It just sits on the shelf. Prophecy is a, is a heart that holds on to something that's just this little seed, this little mustard seed that has the ability to produce 30, 60, 100, 1,000 fold, 10,000 fold. Come on, come on, bigger, 500,000, right? Come on, a million. Amen? You get the picture? If you understand this parable, you will understand the kingdom. When I had that revelation, man, everything centered around hearing it, believing it, holding it, and expecting in it. Amen? And, and when, when, when the presence of God would, would be on me in India, I'll tell you a couple of stories. In this, in this one story, um, they would take me to all types of denominations, all types of Christian denomination churches, okay? They walked me into this Lutheran church. I'm, uh, yeah, it's a, it was a Lutheran church. And it was one of those Lutheran churches where they wear the whole priestly garb, right? They got the big crosses, they got the big hat, they've got the you know the five layers of garments on on them. And uh, the 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 woman in charge, she walks up to me, shakes my hand, you know, she walks up, she walks me up into the pulpit. And there's like 150 people in this place, okay? And she um, sits front and center, like she's sitting in this king's chair. I'm sitting in the pulpit, and she's sitting right beside me. Um, and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I've never seen anything like this, right? And it's all, it, it was all about her in a position of authority over this church, okay? And I'm sitting there, and I've got my team with me in this place. And so I start preaching about the Holy Spirit, 
and and before I got there, my interpreter said, this one, this is going to be a good one. My interpreter was with me for years at this one, right? And he knew that certain style churches that had no Holy Spirit, I mean, I the Lord sent me to birth and impart the Holy Ghost. And so he would literally look for churches that had no Holy Spirit for me and line them up. And so... He, he's walking in and he's saying, this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. And so I'm walking in there with my team. She's sitting beside me and I start, I start to preach about the Holy Spirit, right? And as I'm preaching about the Holy Spirit, did you ever see anybody put into a spiritual trance? Okay, the Bible, the Bible talks about uh, people in, in different um, situations. Literally, when the presence of God comes on people, do you ever see somebody fall out in the Spirit? Somebody lay their hands on? It's the same concept, Okay. I'm preaching about I'm preaching about the Holy Spirit and and she literally she slumps down in her chair and she she she's looking like this. She can move her eyeballs. She literally can move her eyeballs and she can't move her body. And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm staring at her because I'm starting to recognize what's going on. And I stop I was done preaching at that moment because I saw a sign that the Lord was doing a supernatural thing. And I put my team up front and I said, is there anybody blind who needs a miracle? Anybody deaf mute? And this, this, they bring this blind guy up. Literally, it was the type of blindness where his eyeballs were completely white. It's, it was like wow. absolute cataracts over his eyes. And my team member um, starts to pray for this guy. And literally, the guy's eyes, in a matter of like 30 seconds, this white disappears and his eyes appear in his head. Okay? He turns around and he says, I can see. And my team member was so shocked because he saw things before, but not like literally whites in his, no eyeballs, literally. And my, my team member like falls to the ground. He's shaking on the floor. And I'm like, next up, baby, next up, who's next? And so once everybody in the church saw that God isn't just somebody on paper, that God is real, that Jesus is real, everybody runs up. Who needs this? Who needs that? Who's in, who's in pain? And, and pe they start praying for everybody. And at the end of the day, 150 people that didn't know the Holy Spirit suddenly get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The whole church was praying in tongues. They didn't even know what tongues was when I walked in the door. They're shaking. They're crying. They're like, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. And at this point, she's watching. She can't move her body, but she's watching the whole thing. Okay. And when it's over, it's like somehow she's released. The Lord released her. She stands up and she goes, what was that? I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And you better start following the Holy Spirit. And so we got her connected to, to my connection over there. He, he worked with her for over six months to get her transitioned into a Holy Spirit church. Okay? She took her garb off. Right? That's what I do. I love going into places and say, let's take your garb off because your garb doesn't mean anything. You can look all righteous. You can look important to everybody. That doesn't mean anything. As a, as a leader of a church, you better be teaching your people the most important thing, which is everybody in the room has a call of God in your life, and you're not the most important one standing in the pulpit. They are. And they better hear God, because if they don't hear God, then you as a leader didn't do your job. Right. You're wasting your time. You're what's called a false shepherd. Mm. And you may say, well, that's pretty harsh, Dave. No, that's real. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not teaching your people to hear, I don't know what you're teaching them. The Pharisees taught, taught a whole lot of people, come put your money in a plate, right? Come be present. 
But they never taught them to, they never introduced them to the living God because they didn't know God. They knew what they named, they knew what, and they made God whatever they wanted to on paper, but they couldn't introduce them to who they didn't know. Remember that. Alright? And so, okay, that's one. Uh, let, me, let me give you another one. Okay? I was in Chennai, India in 2017. Um, different interpreter. We walk into this church. And he, go, he, he looks at me and he says, nobody here knows anything about the Holy Spirit. Okay? He goes, but they want it. Okay? They want the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm bringing you here. And so we walk through the door. And when I walk through the door, this woman is standing to my left. It's like she locks eyes with me. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, why is she staring at me like that? And, I, and I'm walking, and she looks at me, and all of a sudden she falls to the ground, and she starts crying. I didn't even say anything, okay? I walk in, I, I get into the pulpit, and the woman who fell down, she gets up, and she starts blaring out the gift of tongues, okay? Tongues comes out of her mouth. And I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my interpreter going, got another one, right? This, this is another wild one, right? What's going on? And so... Another person starts praying in tongues. Another person starts praying in tongues. Pretty soon, the whole room, there's about 100 people in this place, they all start praying in tongues. I stand in the pulpit, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm done. I preached, okay? I don't even know what I preached, but I preached. I stood in the pulpit, and I, they're all praying in tongues for like 10, 15 minutes. And the pastor, the pastor who was going to introduce me, He's laying on his face. He's, he's over there. He's got his arms up in the air. And he's, he's like, thank you. He's, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And after about a half hour, and I'm just watching this for a half hour, okay? Um, the pastor gets up and he says, you guys don't know this, but we all came from denominations who did not believe in the Holy Spirit. And we all came together to pray for one thing, and that is that we wanted the Holy Spirit. And then they bring the woman up. They bring the woman who locked eyes with me when I walked in the door. And she starts to describe that whenever I walked through the door, when I locked eyes on her, she saw this hand of fire come out of my chest and touch her. And when it touched her, that's when she fell to the ground. And when she started praying in tongues, nobody in the church had ever prayed in tongues. So she literally received an impartation when I walked in the door. And you may say, well, how's that happen? That's like so far-fetched. That's not even possible. Oh, really? No, you have no idea. For two years, I believed the prophecy, and I started to prophesy that not only would I go, go to India, but I would see thousands of pastors baptized in the Holy Ghost. I would see thousands and hundreds of thousands of people pray in tongues for the first time. They would lay down their idols and run to the altar. And I would prophesy that, that, the, that the pastors would be so set on fire that the whole region of, of Andhra Pradesh, India, would be a, a, a new place for the world to, to release the Holy Ghost to the world. And I would prophesy this for days and hours and weeks. And so am I surprised when somehow this supernatural sign happens when I walk through a door and a woman and a whole group of people who have been asking for the Holy Spirit that somehow I get to be the one that walks in and see something supernatural happen. Amen? That's pretty, pretty wild. Right? So hopefully you're pumped up. Yes. Okay? So I have to ask you this, because this is what we're going to do at this, at this moment, okay? Who here has received prophecies? Is there anybody here who's never received prophecies? Yes. Have you received visions and dreams? Yes. 
Okay? This is what we're going to do. We're going to start praying in tongues, but I want you to begin formulating your prophecy. I want you to actually believe the prophecies spoken over you to such a degree that they're going to come out of your mouth. Okay? Because this is what I mean. Last night we talked about this amazing scripture in, in uh, uh, Luke 11. In Luke 11, Jesus is confronting the Pharisees who are accusing him of casting out de demons because of the, the presence of Beelzebub. And Jesus says, no, I cast out demons with the finger of God, the Holy Spirit. Right? Luke 11.22 says, when a stronger man comes, he raids the house. You know what that means? That's the, the, that's the Greek word iskis. It means that when you speak the Lord's vision, you actually break the power of the demonic realm, keeping you unable and unqualified. And somehow the Lord's ability and provision, you, when your heart aligns with it, guess what? It becomes the strong man. It becomes the stronger one. Because the darkness has no answer for the light, guys. The darkness, if you're getting this picture, it's not about the presence of evil. It's about whether or not you heard his voice and whether you believe his voice. Because if you believe his voice and you begin to speak it out of your mouth, guess what? You're aligning your heart with the stronger one. Because Jesus was walking, he was walking with a, with the swagger baby. He was walking with an ability and he says, I am the stronger one. And when I come into the house, that's you. You are the house of God. Every one of you hold the presence of God, right? The Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, is in your heart. And Jesus is saying, I am the stronger one. And when you begin to believe it to such a degree that it comes out of your mouth, Guess what? Your enemy doesn't have power over you. You will fulfill the prophecy spoken over you. Amen? You with me? So I want you to start thinking as we, be, as we spend the next uh, 10, 15 minutes praying in the Holy Ghost, um, and we're going to start praying violently in the presence of God, I want you to think about the top three things that the Lord has been unctioning you about prophecies that you even received maybe years ago that you put on the shelf and you did not value because you didn't see the benefit in believing it, okay? A lot of people have this crazy fallacy about prophecy. They, and I've, heard, I've even heard churches teach this. They say, well, if it's from God, we'll see. You just put it on the shelf and we'll, just, we'll see if it really happens. Well, guess what? That doesn't take faith from you. You know what that's called? That's called dead religion. That's called devaluing what the Lord says. That doesn't require anything from you. Okay? There are prophecies that will happen whether you speak it or not. But there are destinies. I'm talking about destinies. I'm talking about you becoming one with your destiny. And so I want you, over the next 10 to 15 minutes, I want you to start thinking um, and formulating your prophecy. Those of you who have paper, um, have your phone, I want you to actually write out what the Lord says you are because after we're done praying in the Spirit, people are going to begin waging war based on the prophecy spoken over you. Amen? Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. 
For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.